Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to the book of Romans and chapter 8 this morning. Our text, I'll read in just a few moments, will be found in verse 18 through verse 25. Romans chapter 8, 18 through 25. I think the subject for this morning is so appropriate, not just for every one of us, but specifically for moms that are here today. Happy Mother's Day to each one of our mothers and our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers, our Mimis, our Grammys, our Omas, whatever name. You know, the subject, help for today and hope for tomorrow. Let me encourage you moms, it is a thankless job, I'm certain. There are sleepless nights. Let me encourage you this, be faithful. Be faithful to the task that God has called you to. Be far more concerned, invest far more time into the hearts and the souls of your children and your grandchildren than their hairstyles or the kind of sneakers that they're wearing. You will look back on those few moments that you had to raise them. And you remember the times that you prayed for their soul more than anything else. Be faithful to the high calling of being a mother today. Thank you for all that you do. We need to go to the Lord as we prepare our hearts to hear from Him this morning. A great text. I think it's certainly appropriate for us in our time that we find ourselves living in this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we are amazed that your mercies are so great that we can sing about them, not, not just every Sunday, every single day, every morning we wake up thrilled that your mercies are new every day. Thank you for the mercy that you've shown to each one of us, that you never give up on us. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to celebrate moms. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage the mother that's here today that is exhausted, that is at the very end of her rope. Father, may she be encouraged and may she hear a word from you about the hope there is for tomorrow. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ that exists right here at Big Woods. We thank you for the community of Lock Haven, the surrounding communities that you've called us to live in. And Lord, as we now have a few moments to set apart from the rest of our, our craziness and busyness of the week, that we would hear from you so that we know how to minister the good news of the gospel to a lost and a dying, a confused and a hurting world. Father, we need your help. I need your help this morning to communicate clearly what you want. Please guide my words, my lips, my tongue. Guard me from saying anything that would ever hurt or hinder the work of your kingdom. Free us from distractions, what's racing through our minds, and may we lock on to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans, as we move along, it's, it's easy to kind of forget. And so very high level, 
what we call a jet tour of Romans. It's a time for truth. Clear theological understanding of important doctrine. We've looked at the unrighteousness of ourselves. The plight that we are in. We've looked at the righteousness of God. We've learned when we place our faith in the one-time work. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are what? We are declared righteous. It's the doctrine of justification. We've learned by submitting every single day. We die to ourselves. We submit to the ongoing work of the Spirit of God. We are what? We're graciously and slowly, ever so slowly being set apart, being made holy. That's the doctrine of sanctification. Romans chapter 8 is like, as I said last week, strolling through the marketplace of gospel blessings. The last time we were together, we considered what I called great favor in God's family. We've been adopted. We've been given a new identity, a new name, a new home. A new purpose. We've been given access to God. We have an intimacy with God the Father. Abba, Father, a close relationship. Last week we looked at the fact that we will be glorified. We have been given inheritance. Last time we were together we read what? If we are children then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provide it. Here's that, that caveat. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That's the doctrine of glorification. It points us to, yes, with heirs of God, there is great privilege. But we all know, and we have to be honest about this, there's a high cost of following Jesus. Jesus is the suffering Savior. So I want to remind you on those difficult days, don't be shocked when you suffer. As we guys said, what? Doesn't mean that you must be or you will be crucified on a cross like Jesus, but it does mean you need to be willing. You need to be willing to sacrifice and to even suffer for the name of Jesus. Consider the high cost of what it means to faithfully follow Jesus. Steve Lawson in his book says this it will cost you everything. But today, thankfully, we are pointed, our attention is drawn. We can look up to what I call the awaiting glory. Today, the author, the Apostle Paul, writing to the believers in Rome, expands upon that truth for us. Let's give our attention to the Word of God, beginning in verse 18. I'll read our text for us this morning. Romans chapter 8, we pick up in verse 18. The words will be in front of you. I read from the English Standard Version, the Word of the Lord. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not, not only the creation... But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly 
as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes in what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it. We wait for it with patience. Okay, this is all about the doctrine of glorification. And it brings us hope. It ought to. It brings us hope in hard times. And yes, we know that there are tough times in front of us right now. God knows this, but thankfully, God is never, ever, ever going to kind of push us out into the deep end and leave us there. God promises, we've heard it a couple times this morning already, He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, Hebrews chapter 13. Just pause on this for a moment. God is never going to forget you. You've been forgotten before. Sorry. Somebody drove by. Oh, shoot. I forgot to get them. You've all been forgotten. We all have. We remember those stinging moments. How could you forget me? It says that God will never forget you. He will never, ever be too busy for you. He'll never push you aside. He will never what? Slide right, ignore your call. He will never do that. He may, he may, and he has the right to put you on hold, right? Psalm chapter 27, wait, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. But think of this, today, as we what? collectively, corporately, we gather together, we all take one step closer to eternity. Every single one of us are taking one step closer to one of two destinations. Either heaven or hell. And we will see today what is in store when we know you've been taught this. When we know what? It's by grace alone. For anyone, anyone out there, regardless of what they have done, who has placed their faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, uh, that what? Heaven awaits. Glory awaits. So the rest of this whole incredible chapter, Romans chapter 8, we will see and hear, A, the future glory, but we'll also hear about God's everlasting love. All of it, what? Seo, sola, deo, gloria. All of what God has for us is for his glory. And we get to have a little smidgen of that. Two points, very simply, this morning. The first one is this. We need to bring the big picture into perspective. What happens in times like this is we have scripture laid out before us. So you have to kind of step back and see the panoramic view. We need to, to get the big picture in perspective. Number one, what? The world is hurting. What I mean by that, look around, it's not difficult to figure out the, uh, what I would call the supreme accuracy of the word of God. Listen to some of these phrases that we just read. I will read them to you again. Creation waits with eager longing. The New American Standard says what? Eagerly awaiting. The Brian Study Bible says with eager anticipation. Another translation says, anxious longing. Verse 20, it says what? Creation was subjected to futility. 
21, creation will be set free. We know that the whole creation, verse 22, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. We ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait adoption, the redemption of our bodies. You know, it's interesting on Mother's Day that there's two ways that you can become a mother. What? By giving birth or through adoption. Both of them are mentioned right here. Now we know that the former, apparently, there's this idea of what the pains that exist in childbirth. And that's the description of what's happening as we look around us. I have to confess something to you this morning. I have never given birth before. But I've witnessed it two times. And I, I totally, dads, I totally failed that one. Like I was like, Around the corner, like, hey, everything all right in there? <laughs> and, 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 and we know, moms, you know what? There's something, there's this intensity and ever-increasing intensity. Groans. Birth pangs. Very little doubt here that what the Apostle Paul is describing is this. Look around the world. Creation is hurting. All creation is in pain. And what happens, and you hear this from everyone, everyone's always looking what? Over the next hill, like something's got to be happening. Everything is always like just around the corner, something. There's this sense of anticipation of waiting. Everyone is constantly looking for what? An answer, a solution. We're looking for rest, relief, healing, peace. There's, there's going to be at some level a liberating renewal, a transformation. There is. It's called future glory. And it's personified here as straining forward in anxiousness, eagerness, and anticipation. Phillips actually paraphrases like this, and I like it. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own that's a great picture on tiptoe have you ever been waiting for a loved one before at the airports and there's crowds of people as they come off and you're on tiptoe like i think i think or mama you remember it when your little one came off the bus for the first day and you're on tiptoe you're longing you're waiting for them I was just little, little, and mom dressed all four of us up. And we went down to the Philadelphia shipyard. Because my dad's ship was coming in. And I remember what, as, as the sailors were in their dress whites along the, the deck. And we're all straining. I think that's him. They all look exactly alike. We don't know who's who. I think that's him. I think that's dad. And all of our attention is focused right there. You see, the whole world right now is looking for, is longing for something, someone. What is it? What is happening here? Let, let's, let's define some terms to make sure. Right out of the gate, let's set some things straight here. What is this whole idea of creation? Like, what is, like, what's that? The Lexham Bible Dictionary defines simply creation what the divine act of bringing the universe, and I want you to know something here, and all that inhabits it into exist, 
existence. Why I have to be careful here, the word creation, we think about that, is oftentimes to describe what? Everything that's created, but we have this tendency to kind of think about creation as what? The mountains, and the seas, and the oceans, and the beaches, and the deserts, and the plains. Yes, that's creation, but remember this, it's not, it's not just everything in creation. Creation is what? It includes every one. And that's where we want to kind of focus some of our attention. We, we have to think specifically of every single person who has been created, what? The Mago Deo, in his image, in the image of God. So we hear the word creation, don't just think mountains and beaches, forests and deserts, lakes and streams. I want you to think about people just as God, and, I, and I, I sound like a broken record on this, God is always more concerned about your soul than he is about your body, right? Because your soul is going to be eternal. Your soul is eternal. Just as God is always more concerned about the souls of people than the bodies, God is far more concerned with the people of his creation than what? Than the docks and the dogs. And the whales and the walruses and the cats and the dogs and the rivers and the streams and the mountains and the lakes. It's all, it's all beautiful. We all know that, that God has created this for our enjoyment, for our blessing, for our benefit. We know that common grace abounds everywhere, but, but there is something that is groaning in creation. And there's no doubt, I'm not taking anything away from what the blackened skies that are pollution abounds. I'm not taking anything away from the waters that are contaminated. But we know since the fall, Genesis chapter 3, there has been and there will continue to be, what? Birth pangs of creation. There's floods and famines. The creation itself, we know. There's earthquakes and hurricanes and fires and floods and tornadoes. Creation is groaning, but I want you to hear this this morning more than anything else. Nothing is hurting more. Nothing is pleading for more help today than the souls of mankind. As much as we see the what? Creation proper by way of what mountains and trees hurting, there's something that is desperately more important for us to focus upon and that is the souls of mankind people we know die today at an alarming increasing rate of what is referred to as diseases of despair they, they are so hopeless that they they try to numb themselves through substance alcoholism drugs addictions just try to escape suicide the, the 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 rate continues to increase particularly in our younger generation today that we get a glimpse of what destruction abounds everywhere this is not surprising scriptures all over this remember the deplorable condition of romans chapter one this is how we spoke about the unrighteousness of mankind if you recall what foolish hearts were darkened they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images of man and birds and animals and people worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator and we see that happening in our world today 
It says what? In their minds, they were debased in their thinking. In their bodies, they were dishonorable in their passions. And so three times we hear the same tragic phrase, verse 24, 26, and verse 28 of Romans chapter 1. God gave them up. You want to worship the tree? You can go ahead. God gave them over. God gave them up. It's no surprise as we look everywhere today, the world is hurting. But what? Secondly, there is help that is offered. There is help. We need to see it. This, this text is, is grabbing us and pointing us towards something that is much greater, bigger, and better. And what it's doing is it's pointing us to the fact that there is only one solution to the painful, polluted worlds. Remember last week we talked about the doctrine of our adoption. And there's an already but not yet dimension to adoption. We know that already we have been adopted, but we have not yet been fully glorified. But we look forward toward that. We can't wait for that. But in the present time... It hurts. In the present time, there is suffering. And you can say whatever you want. You can look to whatever you want. But it's not going to be the State Department that saves you. It's not going to be the U.S. government. It's not going to be United Nations. It's not going to be UNICEF, Save the Whales, Greenpeace, the Audubon Society. It's not going to be Ducks Unlimited. None of those things will ever, ever rescue creation. It's going to be God through the work of his spirit. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to use his own redeemed children, his own sons and daughters. He's going to use us, his own children, working what? Passionately, passionately, uniquely. God's going to use us loving and serving and giving and sacrificing and speaking truth as we what? Wait with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Therefore, we must come to a place that every single morning we wake up, we look for this and we long for this glory that is coming. Creation will be set free. Thirdly, what? The ultimate source of help is the gospel that promises future glory. Again, this is, this is, we've talked about justification, sanctification. This is the doctrine of glorification. We wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Think of all of the pain that is around us. All of the hurt that is around us. All the pollution that is around us, it pales in comparison to the pain of hurting souls and hurting bodies. There have been many times in the past years that I have been called to the emergency room to meet with someone and to pray with someone. And I would tell you this, in 25 years now as being a pastor, I have never, ever, ever been called to an ER and, and prayed about the polar ice caps 
that are melting. I've never done that before. There's been multiple times I've been called to the ICU, and we have never one time prayed about the Brazilian rainforest or the what? The fine particulate matter of smog that builds up over Bangladesh that has a concentration of 77.1 milligrams per cubic meter of air. I've never prayed for that. Why? Because a soul is eternal and a sea turtle is not. And we need to adjust our thinking and our focus and our efforts to where God wants us to focus as we fix our eyes on the promise of future glory. You know what happens in times of pain? You know what happens in times of suffering? And you know this when you've been flat on your back looking up. You have no place to look. It brings everything into perspective. In times of pain, in times of suffering, in times of heartache, in times of hurts, you know what God is doing? He allows us to see the big picture. The ultimate glory that Christians will receive is so incredible, so unbelievable that it actually allows us to endure the sufferings of this present time. And again, there is suffering. It's not taking anything away from that. But it allows everything to be brought in perspective that the sufferings of this present age are tiny and insignificant. When we know that we look forward to our own rescue and redemption and that God is using us to usher in his kingdom where it says as we read in Revelation 21 that God has given to give us a new heaven and a new earth. Spend time as a family reading Revelation 21 today and see what awaits and ponder that promise. I ask you a question. You guys speak about this? Do you talk about future glory? Do you lay in bed and just dream about what is in store? Do you regularly share with others that are hurting in this world the help that is offered through the message of the gospel? Do you speak of this with those that are sick and scared? Do you regularly come alongside to those that are dying, frightened? Do you tell them about what Jesus said? Do you tell them about the invitation that he gave? Matt saw my notes. He read my text. We are to what? We're to remind people what Jesus said. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what we're to focus on. Called one of our deacons just yesterday. I had a question and was not able to get through, and so I was put to his voicemail. Hi, this is so-and-so. Leave a message. But read Romans chapter 10, verse 9, too. That's all it said. Goodbye. I was like, that is so cool. And I'm like, Romans chapter 10, I'm going to preach this in this little while. And it's just a wonderful reminder. Not here. Leave a message. Read Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Well, we just have to speak about the fact that if you confess, 
with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There has to be an urgency as we focus our attention and we work to focus the attention of other people toward the future glory that awaits. What does all of this incredible truth do for us? It gives us hope. Our second major point today. We need to live in light of the hope that is to come. We've got to live in light of the hope that is to come. For in this hope we were saved. A hope that is seen is not hope. We, we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. You really cannot miss the message here that the author is making very, very clear. The word hope is used five times. He's, he's directing our attention somewhere. And it's off of the hurt. I totally, totally believe that if we as Christians were to make it our mission to ponder the promises to come, we would be more faithful than we are. I am totally convinced that if we ponder the promises to come, we would be more productive, we would be more encouraged, we would be more encouraging, we would be more joyful. Yes, the world is crumbling down around us. But look and listen. We, we live different than this world lives. We think different. We walk different. We act differently. Difficult past year, year and a half. I, reminded, I was reminded of when we went outside. And we are anxiously looking forward to going back outside again. When it warms up above 44 degrees like it was this morning. And we spent time outside, and I'm encouraging, reminding people, you, you bring your pickup trucks and your, your chairs, somebody bought a boat and they sat in their boat, whatever it is, invite your friends. And I remember last summer when we did this, when we're kind of like peering out from behind the bushes, and we were all getting a little bit snaky, you know that. And, and I preached an entire series on just two chapters. I called it Church Reboot, Renewed Hope. And renewed focus. That's what we have to be reminded of. And we spent weeks on what? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5. Let me remind you of some of what we focus on. And what we need to be pondering. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. Not to us. The, the jars of clay are our physical bodies. It's the equivalent of a styrofoam cup today. We are afflicted in every way. But we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. We ponder the promises of future glory. 
And it drives us not only to be encouraged, but to be more encouraging. I know what you're thinking. Central Pennsylvania, we're pretty practical people here. How do we just have hope? Like, okay, so we come out of church, we're going to have hope. Yeah, but how, like, in light of the fact that we know, we know, we've been told right here, we can't see it. It says what? You hope for what you do not see. And it also says, not only are we to have hope, but we're now to be patient because it's going to take a while. It actually says, wait for it. Ugh. Two things that are not easy for us in our posh, first world, western thinking. A, we want to see it, and we want it now. And that's exactly the opposite of what we're told. We can't see it, and it's not now. Do you understand how like, we, we have to like, recalibrate our thinking? So how do we do this? Just as we have witnessed, just as we have felt the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, the Holy Spirit promises to give us the needed patience in order to endure. Can I remind you of that? The Holy Spirit promises, because like I don't have it, okay? Don't fool yourself, neither do you. I don't have what it takes to have the hope that is needed. I don't have the patience to endure. But the Spirit promises us. Galatians chapter 5. What I find is interesting is this. The fruits of the Spirit. And everyone knows what the fruits of the Spirit are. And we always go love, joy, peace. And then it kind of just like wanders off with this long list. What is interesting is that everybody wants love. I'll take, I'll take lots of... Everybody wants joy. I'll take... Everyone wants peace. What's the forgotten fruit? What's number four in the list? Nobody wants this. We'll take all the love. We'll take an extra serving, a little dump of this, a little bit more joy, a little bit more peace. Everybody wants that. But nobody wants the forgotten fruit that is a promise that the Holy Spirit will produce in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. 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 Wait for it. You realize, though, that this waiting process is important. I, I'm starting to enjoy, and this is really weird. I have, no, I, don't, I have no taste or smell still. Stinks. I don't know why, but I've really enjoyed, this is totally weird. I've really enjoyed cooking alongside of Wendy over these past couple weeks. Can't taste a thing. I'm putting more hot stuff on that she's, her mouth is burning. And the idea is the whole idea, I think one of the fun things I love about cooking is like you heat stuff up, okay? Like you have to preheat the oven. I don't run the oven part. That's the technical part. She does that. I do the cutting. But the whole idea that I love so much, that we love so much about the cooking, is you put it in, you have to wait for it. And you're like, man, mm. like you still get hungry if you can't taste it, okay? So, so the idea is, is that there's anticipation that builds. And that's part of the excitement about what is going. There's going to be this, is, this, is, this is so neat. And that's kind of what's happening in this holding pattern of patience that the Holy Spirit is producing in our lives. I want to remind you and encourage you in this process as it continues to build. 
God is always going to be faithful to his word. Future glory is certain. Pray for it. Ponder that very thought. Trust God for it. Hope for it. And wait. And wait. What I wrote in my notes, the final words, and pray again. And pray again. Gang, let me tell you, it's no surprise that we live in a world that is hurting all around us. And God has graciously offered to us the solution. The only good news in a world that's just crumbling. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God is using you and I to bring what hope into the lives of those that are hurting by saying, do you realize that there is a God who is totally holy, totally loving and although we are so separated from him in our brokenness and our sinfulness that he desires an intimate close relationship that he draws us into his presence he adopts us as his own when we put our faith and our trust in the full finished work that jesus christ accomplished on the cross and in the tomb trust jesus and what happens is we realize wow time is going by and we are one step closer to the eternal glory and we have hope in the midst of a world that's in desperate need of it father we thank you for your patience with us and your grace with us and i just pray lord that as we ponder what you have laid out before us this morning that we would confess that we get distracted, we get frustrated, we get fearful. I pray, Lord, that we would, we would be reminded about the amazing doctrine of glorification where we'll be made whole and creation will be set free. But Father, I pray right now that you'd give us the strength that we need to walk into a room and be joy-filled and cheerful and offer a word of encouragement by offering the good news of the gospel. It is a cup of cold water to the thirsty. We confess, Lord, and we ask for forgiveness for the times that we've neglected to speak up. We've remained silent. Forgive us, Lord, when we chime in to the negativity and join in to the desperate state. As your children... There is nothing that we need to be fearful. As your children, there's, there's nothing desperate. There's only glory that awaits. Help us, Lord, to fix our minds on future glory. Help us, Lord, to fix our minds on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.